I used to be in the Boy Scouts. I didn't make it very far. Uh, I was in the Cub Scouts and went through all the way through, but about as far as I went in the Boy Scouts was Tenderfoot. But the Boy Scouts have a motto. The motto is, there you go, be prepared. Be prepared. You're supposed to be ready for anything. I didn't really learn that, and I still haven't completely learned it, but I didn't really learn that until I was older. And, and, and I'll tell you how it came about. I love to fish. I, I haven't fished but one time in the last year, and, and I don't even own any fishing equipment anymore. But uh, I, I used to fish all the time. And I had a friend of mine, uh, we would go to Louisiana every year. And uh, we lived in Louisiana, so we fished all the time then. But when we moved to Arkansas, I would go back and we'd fish full moon in June, full moon in July. Uh, you know, I always thought it was something about uh, the, 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 the way the moon was and, and, and fronts and all that kind of stuff. And so I asked him one time, I said, so the fish bite better? He said, no, you can see better. Uh, well, okay, there's a, there's a, a revelation. So anyway, I learned even in Louisiana in the summertime, it could be 100 degrees during the day. But at night, it cools down. The, the humidity, uh, all of the, 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 the moisture in the air will come down on your skin. And I learned to take a jacket. I would take a jacket, and, and that sounds crazy in 100 degree heat. But you needed a jacket at night because it was chilly. And so you would be prepared. Now I tell you all that to tell you this. We need to be prepared against Satan's schemes. We've been talking about him and his schemes. I promise you we're going to, to end up uh, getting to be more and more uh, positive about this. I've been pretty negative in the last several weeks. But, but he has an army of angels that will do everything they can to keep, uh, to keep us off balance and off center. And by the way, Satan is not God, nor is he a God per se. Yeah, we might make him such. But we have this concept of good and evil that God is fighting against an equal power. I want to tell you something. Satan is not an equal power of God. And that's something we need to understand. He can't be ever-present. That's why he has a minion of, of, of angels to help. But Satan goes around like a roaring lion, as the Scripture says. And he appears as an angel of light, and he lies and he's opportunistic. And so it's important for us to be prepared. I want to read this passage from Second Peter again, this time from the message. But there were also lying prophets among the people then, just as there will be lying religious leaders among you. They'll smuggle in destructive divisions, pitting you, against each other, biting the hand of the one who gave them a chance to have their lives back. They put themselves on a fast downhill slide to destruction, but not before they recruit a crowd of mixed-up followers 
who can't tell right from wrong. They give the way of truth a bad name. And they're only out for themselves. They'll say anything, anything that sounds good to exploit you. They won't, of course, get by with it. They'll come to a bad end. For God has never stood by and let that kind of thing go. As I've said, Satan and his minions are everywhere. And they work in secret. Oh, not in secret in the way that we think, that they, they, they uh, hide stuff, and, and they do somewhat. I think it's interesting, the, the word that's used here is they smuggle. The message says they smuggle this stuff in. But you notice, in our society, everything seems to be more and more open. Sin seems to be the more accepted version of, of the way we live. And, and the more we try to live a Christian life, the more out of place we seem. And so that doesn't sound too secret, does it? But have you noticed in this, in Isaiah chapter 5, woe unto them who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You see, they had that problem back in Isaiah's day too. Some things never change. I think we think that, oh, well, now things are, are different than they were back then, but you know, they really weren't. In fact, in some ways they were even worse. And he says in, 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 in the message and in, in the regular scripture there, he says that they will bring in destructive heresies. It's why we must know the word. It's why everyone must know the word, not just the preacher, not just the youth minister, not just the elder. It has to be one of those kind of things where we know the word, we can't depend on the preacher. We can't depend on the elder. We must be students of God's word. And it says that they will exploit you with deceptive words. You want another phrase for that? They'll lie to you. Now, of all people to talk about this, shouldn't, Shouldn't Peter give us pause to listen? Because he was deceived and lied to. And Satan wanted to sift him like wheat. Satan used his pride to bring him down temporarily. But how do we overcome those schemes that Satan throws out at us? We'll eventually talk about the whole armor of God. But today I want us to see several things that we can do to overcome his schemes. First of all, be an open book. No agendas, no falsehoods, no fake. When Paul was dealing with those who were against him, you know what he said? He said, therefore, since we have this ministry, because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. Instead, we have renounced secret ways or shameful secret things, he says. 
not walking in deceit, deceit or distorting God's message, but commanding ourselves to every person's conscience in God's sight by an open display of truth. An open display of truth. And even if we are an open book, we must, we must be different than the world. All over Scripture, it warns us not to be like the world. And if we're not any different than the world, we might as well just join in. Paul warns Christians not to be overcome with the evils of the world. And he says, such were some of you. Remember that? He says that in the Corinthian letter. He says it later on. I believe it's in Ephesians. The way you used to live, he says. And so there must be a change. There must be a different uh, spirit about us. I wish I could say that you won't be accused of all kinds of things that aren't true, but it's, it's going to happen. The early Christians were considered cannibals. There were people who thought they were cannibals. You know why? Because of the very thing that we just partook of, of the Lord's Supper. Because when they talked about drinking his blood and eating his flesh, the world says, listen to that. Those people eat humans. Those are the kind of things, and even worse, that we're going to be accused of. And here's the interesting thing, and I think it's kind of sad. All those who call themselves Christians, I, 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 I'm going to be kind of harsh here, aren't. The stuff you see on TV, and I'm not saying all of it, but I'm saying a lot of it, it's, it's heresy. It's, it's scary stuff. And the sad thing is, you are going to be classified with every one of them. If you call yourself Christian, they're going to say, oh, you're one of those people. That's why I say you must be an open book. You've got to be the kind of person Jesus even said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Why did he say that? He said, he said that because he knew that we would be accused of things that just aren't true. And you remember in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And, and Mike mentioned this, I think, last week. But make sure it's righteousness and not rightness. And the two are very different. Peter, in talking with the scattered, said, None of you, however, should suffer as a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer, or a meddler. I think it's interesting that meddler is included in that list, don't you? Murderer, yeah. Thief, yeah. Evildoer, yeah. Meddler, no, wait a minute, you're stepping on my toes now. But he says, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he should not be ashamed, but should glorify God in that name. 
Peter also says, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and temporary residents to abstain from fleshly desires that war against your soul and conduct yourself honorably among the Gentiles so that in case where they speak against you as those who do what is evil, they will, by observing your good works, glorify God on the day of visitation. The NIV says of his visitation. In other words, God's. He says, I want you to live the kind of life that, that people will be ashamed of what they say about you. I want you to be the kind of open book that people will say, no, that's not true. But I want you to notice something in, in a lot of cases, it may not even be during this life. It may have to wait until he comes again. But number two, and I've already kind of alluded to this, be an honest student of the scripture. I, and, and notice I said honest. If we're in the business of proof texting our neighbors, we'll win the battle, but we'll, we will lose the war. Sledgehammers are not for putting thumbtacks on the wall. The Bible says that the scripture, the word of God, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can be dangerous in the hands of the wrong person. It's acting and living. And it's important to be used as it was intended to be. In context, reading from a perspective that someone from someone who lived in the era? Do you have to know Hebrew? Do you have to know Greek? Do you have to know Aramaic in order to be a student of God's Word? No. In fact, I, I really think what we tend to do is to make God's Word harder than it really needs to be. I am. Uh, I'm supposed to speak at a, at a conference and, and I, I chose as a topic, I may regret this. And, and please mis, don't misunderstand me on this. I, I, I feel very uncomfortable in this kind of conference especially because these are a bunch of preachers uh, that are come. It's the Midwest Bible uh, Preachers Retreat. I, I, I don't have any formal instruction in Scripture. I've never taken a Greek course. I have to go to Caleb's office and say, Does this, is this, how do you pronounce this? And I remember the, the, the topic that I'm speaking on at this preacher's retreat is called The Book That Nobody Reads, and it's about the book of Philemon. And recently I took a sabbatical, and I went to Schuyler, and I, I isolated myself, and I pulled out these books on the book of Philemon, and I read at least two, maybe three commentaries on this little book. And I mean, this stuff is going flying over my head. And I thought, I'm, I learned words I'd never known before. And I thought, sometimes I think we totally miss the point. You see, the message of Philemon is a very simple message of love. Now, I'm not saying that those people who write those books 
are, are bad and wrong. I'm just saying for us, the average Christian, the Scripture is not as hard as we think it is. You see, Scripture is about relationship. It's about God wanting a relationship with us. Scripture is a love letter from God. It's not a rule book. It's a thread that carries on from Adam and Eve all the way down to where we sit today. When it seems that God's plan is, is just blown, there's always a thread that goes through. It's a map, a light maybe, but not a rule book. And there were those in Jesus' time that tried to make it a rule book. In fact, Jesus said, and quoting from Isaiah, he said, he said, your lips honor me, but your heart is far from me. So number three, I want us to remember that God is God. He sent his son to die for us. He left us with the Holy Spirit to guide us and navigate this life. And we will never completely understand all of God's ways. The Bible says that his, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. He sent his son. Why? I have no idea other than the fact that he loves us. And I want us to, to, to do things like, like take John chapter 3 and verse 16. We know that passage, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to put your name in there. For God loves so much that he gave his one and only, his only begotten Son, so that could have everlasting life. And left his spirit to guide us, to lead us on our way. Wow, if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what does. That even though Satan is going to come at us, he says, I will beside you all, be beside you all the way. And I will provide you a way out of temptation. I will make sure that I will stand for you. Martin Luther wrote about wrote a song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, taken from Psalm 46. And as we read from the 125th Psalm, God will protect his people. Let's not forget how much God loves us, and let's make sure that we're prepared.